So we're beginning a brand new uh, series uh, called 2020 Vision. And I know, I know, 2020 Vision sounds a little corny, you know, since it's 2020. Uh, But I was thinking about this all through this last year, and I thought it's the only time in the history of mankind that we will ever be able to have a series that fits perfectly with the year. So you're just gonna have to deal with it. It's 2020 vision, that's, uh, that's what we're gonna do. But before I jump into this, uh, I wanna answer a personal question that I get asked every once in a while. And uh, people say, you know, I know on weekends you, uh, you teach and preach on Saturday nights and then you do Sunday mornings. And so like, how do you prepare for that? Personally, like, what, is, what does that look like? Well, the content part uh, takes place over a period of, of weeks as a study and read and, and share and refine that and do that together. But personally, uh, it's a matter, of course, of, of seeking God and being prepared in my own heart uh, to share. But there's also just, you know, with, with those things happening on the weekend, like, when do you have time to just kind of do other things? So, um, a lot of things kind of go into my life and into my day. Take, take yesterday, for example. So uh, I got up early in the morning and met a few friends and we went for a bike ride. It was a sunrise, put that up there. Uh, so you see the sun rising up in the left-hand corner and uh, John Kenamaka, you're over on that side, if you can see yourself. And we went for a ride and just had a ball out there on the canals and just had fun doing that. And so that's part of just the personal peace and taking a deep breath and, and preparing for what God has. And then uh, yesterday afternoon was just super chill, just hanging out. Um, so it looked like this and uh, just, just another Saturday afternoon, you know, that's, that's all it was. Um, who are you rooting for today? Okay. So, so some of you are like, well, whatever. I don't even know. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't. There's only two more games uh, for the 49ers to win, and then it's, it's done. But uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. So, so we're starting this series called, called 2020. And around here, we've been kind of wrestling with what this might look like since we talk about vision and mission uh, frequently on weekends and throughout our life groups and in student ministry and even in what we do in our community. And you may be saying, well, Dave, I don't, I don't know what the vision is and the mission is here at New Life. And I'm going to tell it to you in just a moment. Uh, but one of the ways you can see it is when you leave here, when you get into our lobby, turn around and look up and you will actually see it up on the wall. And the vision and mission that God has called us to around here is loving people one step closer to Jesus. And that kind of motivates and and moves everything that we do. And and loving people isn't just out there. It's, you know, I'm a a people too. And so it's, it's even loving myself enough to lean in closer to God. And so it's this all encompassing, um, kind of vision that drives us. And you think, well, why is that so important? Because it's so easy to get off track, right? It's so easy to chase a thousand different things. But God's called us to kind of hold on to this thing that's very important to us. And so then the personal question becomes, well, does God have a vision for my life? Is there something personal for me? Now, vision we know just in a straightforward definition way is the ability to see, right? We, we think about that. But, but in a broader sense, when we talk about having a, a vision, it's the ability to see further than our eyes can look. 
And the question is, what does God want you to see? What does God want me to see that's beyond today and beyond our current situation? And this is not about being dissatisfied with the moment or, or kind of living in that place of tension, but it's just knowing that God has plans and purpose for our life. And, and what does that look like? What is his vision for you and I? Now, all of us here have been to the eye doctor at one time or another. Maybe you do it regularly. For me, I try to go every year. I wear contacts, and so I have to go and make sure my eye is good and, you know, all those kinds of things. But a few years ago, and that's code for a lot longer than a few years ago, uh, I went to the eye doctor because I was having this problem, and it, it seemed like it, it happened overnight. I do a fair amount of reading, and so I, I found myself reading and having to like stretch my arm out further to put it into focus. Now, if you're under 40 years old, you have no idea what that means. If you're over 40, you're going, oh yeah, I've been there, because your eyes start changing. And so I went to the eye doctor and said, hey, I don't know what's going on. It's a weird thing, it happened suddenly. It must be something with my contacts, but I, I can't focus close anymore. And he laughed. And I think it should be against the law to laugh at a patient who comes in, you know, with a problem. And he says, oh, you're, you're 40. It's like, <laughs> okay, really, now you really shouldn't laugh, but what does that have to do with anything? And he says, I can almost map people to the month when they turn 40, 41, 42, that that focal point starts changing as their eyes change. So he did the thing that always happens when you go to the eye doctor, they put you in the chair and they put that big, you know, thing around your eyes, you know, and they, he dials it in a little bit. And then he says, which one is better, this or this, right? You've been there, which is better, A or B? And you know what I realized in that? He's actually giving me the best choice for clearer vision, I get to tell him what is clear and what is unclear. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to life, we have a choice. Every day, every moment. To, to pursue clarity, 2020 vision, or to pursue things that are foggy and unclear and, and cloudy, and really, it comes down to, am I going to choose, A, God's way, which is clear vision, or am I going to choose my way, which always leads to murky, murky living, you know, where I can't quite see, where life kind of takes, you know, turns and, and challenges and, and these things that I know that I've brought on myself because I've chosen my way over God's way. Now listen to our key verse. This is in Psalm 119. And here's what it says. King David wrote this. He said, let me, your servant, walk in abundance of life that I may always live to obey your truth. He's talking to God. Open my eyes to see the miracle wonders that are hidden in your word. Let me read it to you again. He says, let me, your servant, walk in abundance of life that I may always live to obey your truth and open my eyes to see the miracle wonders that are hidden in your word. You see, I can choose God's way and walk in abundance and see the miracle wonders in his word, or I can choose my way, my vision, my path, and miss what I was made for. 
Now, throughout this message, I'm going to talk about God's purpose and God's plan and God's design and God's will a little bit. And when you hear those things, I know sometimes the tendency is to think, wait, I'm I'm losing myself. I'm being constricted. I'm being manipulated. I'm, I'm kind of being manhandled or God-handled or however we want to describe it. And, and I, I don't like that. So rather than thinking micromanaged blueprint, like here's what God has planned at 1.48 p.m. this afternoon for you, rather than thinking that, think instead of an invitation to join God in this journey of faith. To say, come walk with me. Come join me in this adventure of knowing him, trusting him, and following his lead. So so think of it in terms of that. So in the Old Testament, there is a well-known passage about vision that actually kind of goes beyond the, the church. Maybe you've even heard this before. And the King James, one of the earliest versions of this from Proverbs 29, this is King Solomon. He said this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, we generally translate those words vision and perish differently than how the author intended because the word perish that is written there doesn't mean to die. It literally means that restraints have been removed. It it even is kind of translated to run wild or chaotic. It's this kind of upheaval in life. So when you break it down further, it's him saying where there is no clear direction or vision, People run wild, boundaries gone, chaos begins to reign. And for all of us in this room who have thought, I want to do my own thing, you find out in a short period of time that the end of that road of chaos and and restraint-free is pain and dysfunction and wounds, deep wounds. But clear direction, clear insight, clear vision keeps us from straying away, keeps us close to God because we have a clearer vision of where God is taking us. We get to choose A, his way over B, my way. Now, over the years, a lot of things have clouded the view of those who follow after God from clearly seeing him and from seeing his truth. Throughout generations, humanity has allowed false concepts false ideologies, and flat-out lies about God to find its way into our thinking process about who God really is. And the result is that his grace and his love and his infinite power and his divinity, his wisdom and his forgiveness has all been twisted and marred and redefined so much so that we're left in this kind of foggy, cloudy place. So over the next few weeks, we're going to kind of take a journey to to clearer vision, to better understanding of God's own heart and God's desire for you and for me. So we're going to get a clearer picture of how God wants us to be in relationship together and to do life together. We're going to find more clarity and a clearer picture of how God wants me to love and honor, respect my spouse, a clearer way of handling our resources and a clearer way to to deal with conflict, God's way. So we're going to look for his way through all of these things. But for this weekend, we're going to step back and just kind of look at how our vision can get clearer. Not a hazy glimpse of God, but a clearer understanding of who God is and what he has for us. So I want you to write this down. Number one, my vision becomes clearer when I fix my eyes on Jesus. My vision becomes clearer when I fix my eyes on Jesus. 
Now, this may seem like kind of a duh statement, but we see what we focus on, right? Now, I know physically our eye takes in a lot of information, but when you really think about seeing and understanding, it's where we focus that makes the most difference because all of us at some point have probably been driving to school or to work or to a friend's house, uh, maybe even to church or else you're coming home from those places and you, you get there or you get home and you go, wait a minute, I don't remember anything about the drive, right? We've all had that experience because your focus was internal. You were probably thinking about some things. And so that took up all, you don't even have a memory of the drive because your focus was somewhere else. In the same way, our lives become what we focus on. Whatever we fix our eyes on, our thoughts begin to follow. And if we don't guard our thoughts, our thoughts will become words, our words grow into our actions, and our actions grow a character. Now, here's the reality. One year from today, January of 2021, I almost said 2121, but that's not a year away. One year from today, 2021, every one of us in this room, without exception, is going to arrive at a place in our life, a different place than we are now. Because we don't know what this year is going to hold. There's things we cannot prepare for, we can't imagine, we can't even dream of, we, we just, we, we can't see them. And there are going to be some really good things, and there are probably going to be some really challenging things in our life. But we are all going to be at a different place a year from now than we are at this moment. The question is, what is that going to look like for you and for me? Now, again, there's some things that we can't prepare for, but I will tell you this, your life, my life is going to follow our thoughts. It's going to follow our, our thinking. It's going to follow what we, what we choose to focus on. So it becomes critical that our thinking stays focused on God. If you're there in Romans 12, I want to read you verse 2. The Apostle Paul was writing this, and I want you to catch his heart in this and his passion in this. He says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you. Would you circle that word transform or highlight it or something? Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, in that last sentence, it says, then you will learn to know God's will. And I'm going to substitute another word in there. And it's not a perfect substitution, but maybe it'll broaden the meaning a little bit. Where Paul says, then you will learn to know God's will, God's plans, God's purpose, God's design. You will learn to know those things, which is good and pleasing and perfect. But how do we begin to know that? Because rather than choosing the behaviors and the customs of this world, we let God begin to transform us into new people by changing the way that we think. See, the apostle Paul is telling us that we have a choice. We can let our behaviors, customs, ideas, words, and motivations come from the world, or we can experience a God transformation that builds us, that that creates in us something new. Now, this word transform that you circled and underlined there is, is an important word. And if you've been around here for any length of time, you know that I, I usually don't weigh us down with quoting a lot of Greek words or Hebrew words to you. I usually just get, simply give you the translation of, of what it means. But this is a key word. 
this word for transform, and it is a Greek word. And I'm going to tell you what that Greek word is, but I want to warn you, I'm going to sound like the dad from my big fat Greek wedding, right? <laughs> it's a Greek word for kimono, and there you go, you know. It, so this word, though, is you're going to hear the Greek word, and you're going to go, I know, I know how that's translated. So the Greek word for transform is metamorpheo. So what word do we get from that? Metamorphosis, right? So if you were in grade school science class, you learned about the caterpillars that spin a cocoon and, you know, a period of time they, they go through this metamorphosis into a butterfly or a moth or whatever. Maybe it's this transformation that happens. So we all know that. So let me give you a modern day uh, equivalent or where we use that same word. Have you ever seen the, the movie Transformers? or Transformers 2, 3, 4, or 5, or whatever else goes along with that. And you see them transform from uh, a truck or a car or a Volkswagen or whatever it might be into this, you know, robot. It's a transformation. This is what it used to be. This is what it is now. Now, there's, there's another show from childhood. See if you remember this, The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. You remember that? Some of you are surprised that I know that, but I do. And at crisis moments, when, when there was this need for power, they would say to each other, it's morphin time. It's morphin time. In other words, it was time for metamorphosis and transformation. <clears throat> now, I want you to think about this. Even in that show, it was ordinary people transformed into something else. Ordinary people, Paul begins to talk about, receiving supernatural power to live differently. Ordinary people, you and me, receiving supernatural power, and don't be spooked by that. We're just talking about the power of God at work in us to live differently. It's transformation. There is something new that can happen in you and in me, but it's not simply because we try harder, it's not simply because we work harder. There's no program. There's no list of rules. It's when we choose to make Jesus the focal point of how we live. It's that way of saying, I want his way, his truth, his forgiveness in my life. So I'm going to read you this passage from Hebrews 12. Listen to what it says. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze, fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. You know what a relief that is? I don't have to muster up enough faith. I don't have to somehow earn it or work hard or, or put it in there. It doesn't mean that there's, there's not steps that I'm taking, but he is birthing and strengthening faith in me. When I seek him, when I trust him, when I fix my focus, my gaze, my life on him. Write this down for number two. My vision becomes clearer when I give my past to God. So in the Old Testament, there is an account of a man named Samson. And uh, Samson's name is always linked to a woman's name. And it's Samson and 
Delilah, right. So most of us know the story of Samson as this strong man. And probably if you went to Sunday school or anything like that, you had this picture of Samson being this incredible, like kind of incredible Hulk, you know, muscle man, huge because he was so strong. You know, the Bible doesn't paint us that picture at all because people were surprised by his strength. So if someone is huge and got biceps and chest, you're not surprised by their strength. But if someone just looks ordinary, but there's extraordinary strength, it takes you by surprise. So the Bible says that it was actually God's strength that was at work in him. And if you go back and read in the book of Judges, you realize that God had a vision a purpose, a plan, a design for Samson, Samson's life. And if you go before he was even born, an angel visited his parents and said, Here, we're going to give you a son, but there are specific instructions because of his design and plan that came with these vows that needed to be lived out in his life. And one of those was, of course, the cutting of hair, and there were some other things. Now, Samson focused on this vision, being true to who God had designed him to be, until a situation came into his life and the enemy was allowed to use that. See, Samson was pledged to be married to a woman from a different tribe. Now, that was a highly countercultural thing back then. For us today, we, we don't see the big deal about that. But for them, it was big. And so right after the marriage, kind of before it was consummated, before they could even go on their honeymoon, Samson had to go on a very short trip. And while he was gone, through the midst of a lot of dysfunctional family dynamics, the father of his bride gave her away as a wife to one of Samson's friends. I'm telling you, this is messed up. And this is like... This is like daytime soap opera TV stuff. It was crazy. Now, up to this point, Samson had no feud with the tribe. But suddenly in this moment of betrayal and hurt, there was this anger, this resentment, this bitterness, this rage from what had been done to him began to penetrate and derail God's vision and God's design for him. And he began to drift away from God. And he, he allowed what his enemy, what these people had done to him to cause his trust and his vision uh, for God's purpose to become cloudy and foggy. And his life became an absolute mess, really until the last moment of his life was it ever turned around again. And for the next several years, I want you to hear this. Samson allowed his past to wreck God's purpose and vision in his life. So I want you to think about this for us. When we make decisions in the moment that are made from past hurt and past wounds and past pain, we derail God's design for today and for tomorrow when we don't come to terms with our own pain and our own hurt in healthy ways, where we acknowledge that it does hurt, we acknowledge that we're angry, we acknowledge the emotions, but then there's this process of surrendering it over to God. If we don't walk through that, if we don't allow Christ to walk with us through that, we, we end up in a place where we say, I'll do this on my own. I'll handle all this. I've got it under control. And we end up walking that road. Remember the A and B, God's way and my way? We begin taking our way that leads to these 
kind of dark, foggy, cloudy places of missing God's heart and God's design for us. So we start saying things like, I can handle my own addictions. I can handle the alcohol. I can handle the pornography. I can handle the drugs. I can handle the codependency. I can handle the the unhealthy, dysfunctional relationships. I can handle my anger. I can handle my insecurities. We're going to manage it all. And here's the problem. It becomes I can rather than Jesus will. Did you catch that? It becomes our show and our desires. We choose the unclear way rather than the clarity of Jesus healing in his direction for us. And before we know it, we've allowed the enemy to sit on our shoulder and constantly remind us of what was done to us and what was said to us and the mistakes that we made and the choices that we did and the hurt that we caused and the hurt that we received. And we live in that realm. And that's exactly where the enemy wants to take us. But listen to what it says in Philippians chapter three, the apostle Paul again writing this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it talking about kind of a a full perfected life and everything. He goes, I I haven't achieved that. He says, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. He's saying, I'm not there. I'm still in process. I've got a long way to go. But in this journey, the one thing I know I have to focus on is I can't live in the hurt and the pain of the past and let it derail what God wants to accomplish in me today and tomorrow. I need the clarity of his voice, of his vision in my life. And I'll tell you, the only one who can give us the strength to let go of that and find healing is Jesus. Write this down for the last one. My vision becomes clearer when I walk in step with Jesus. My vision becomes clear when I walk in step with Jesus. So here's the question. What is it that you're living for? What is it that that moves and motivates you? Do you know that God has a design for your life that is more than what you could imagine? That he is, the Bible shows us again and again, the the artist and the architect who made and crafted you. And the Bible calls you a unique, one-of-a-kind, beautiful masterpiece. That's who God made you to be. You are no accident. You you are you are not an error on, on God's part. God didn't look at you and go, well, didn't come out good that time, but I'll I'll make the next one better. That doesn't look at you that way. It doesn't look at me that way. And it's hard sometimes because we see all of our flaws. And here's the amazing thing. God does too. He says, I've got you, I made you, I know you. So I want to challenge you with something. I want you to stop wishing you were somebody else. Stop wishing you were somebody else. Stop wishing you were living somebody else's life. I know for all of us, we've faced pain and struggle. Some of you have walked through some crazy difficult roads. I I, I can say I know, but I don't. And you know how hard it's been. But God made you to be you. And maybe the past has been difficult and hard, But God has a vision for your today and for your tomorrow. 
In Psalm 139, King David wrote this, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. And I know you look at some people in your life and you go, they are complex. They are complex. But David was saying, God, when I see all the different ways physically and emotionally and relationally and spiritually, mentally, psychologically, all the different things you've put into play in my life, thank you for making me so complex. And then he says this, your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. And there's a lot of us in this room that can't actually echo David's words because we don't believe that God's workmanship is marvelous. We don't think what he's made in us is marvelous. But God looks at you and he says, you're the one that I want. God has already given you everything you need for what he's called you to do and to be. And the reason he's put that vision in you is because he wants you to get there. Again, not that he's dissatisfied with you, but he has more for you today and tomorrow. And when we walk moment by moment, step by step with Jesus, he gives us a a little peek, a little taste of what could be. He allows our faith and our trust to grow. So how, how do I walk in step with Jesus? It's kind of a weird phrase, right? Walk in step with Jesus. Well, I'll tell you this, uh, multiple ways. But one is, is through his word. That's why I encourage you regularly to pick up the Bible every day and just even just read a little bit. Now, I think a, a greater idea is to have a process that you're going through rather than just kind of cracking open the Bible and sticking your finger on a verse. Now, if that's all you can do, I mean, God's going to speak through that. But I'm telling you, there's more when we get a bigger picture of his truth and his perspective and his desires for us. So I'd encourage you to join with me and read through the Bible this year. We have some plans at starting point. You can read through the New Testament. There's no time frame on this. Don't put it in the, here's all the work I have to do. But it's an invitation to discover more about who God is and to walk in step with him. It's through quiet moments of conversation with him. It's those breath prayers that you pray throughout the day. It's times of worship and connection with our faith family. It truly is a journey of faith moment by moment with Jesus. And in that, he will begin to make his vision and his purpose clear to you. I want you to put your stuff away for just a moment. There's no more blanks to fill in or anything like that. But I want to tell you uh, just a quick story. I read this. Um, It's not a true story, so there's a point to it. But the story goes this way, is there were two men who were both very sick, and they were in the hospital, and two beds in the room. You've been in a hospital room before. And there was one window in the room, and so one of the men was uh, in the bed by the window. And about once a day, they would come in and, and kind of allow him to sit up a little bit. And he would look out the window and see kind of the world uh, through this one little, you know, portal. The other guy was uh, forced to remain flat on his back and was not able to get up. Um, they were doing some treatments on him. And so in this process, he would rely on the other guy. And so once a day, this guy would sit up and he'd begin to describe all that he saw out the window. And he would describe the park across the street. And he would describe the pond, the little lake that was in the park. And he would say, hey, there's this little boy that's climbing a tree and some kids are going down the slide on the playground. And he would describe the young couple walking hand in hand. And he would just begin to kind of fill in all of the, the blanks and he would describe a sunset and he would do all these things. And the other guy who couldn't get up would close his eyes and he'd just listen. And he would see, not with these eyes, but he'd see with his 
heart and his mind and his imagination, he would, he would see what was being described to him. And it, it became something he looked forward to every single day, to just have this breath of air to see the world a little bit. And these kind of conversations spilled into other things as they began to talk about their questions and their faith and their struggle through their health issues and all of these things, the blessings they'd received, the fear that they were struggling with. And so this friendship developed. And one morning, the nurse came in to check on them, only to find that the gentleman by the window had passed away peacefully in the night. Another guy was brokenhearted with that, losing this newfound friend. But through the course of the next day, he asked the nurse, he said, would it be possible to move me to the bed closer to the window? So she said, sure. So she moved him to that bed. And so after a couple of days, they said, you know, we're going to start getting you up a little bit. And he was thrilled because now finally he's going to be able to look out the window. And so they propped him up and got him up and he looked out the window and all he could see was the brick wall of the building next door. <laughs> he thought, what was this other guy doing? What, what was he telling me all this stuff for? And the nurse came in and he was kind of frustrated. He goes, this guy's been kind of describing all this stuff, the park and the lake and the pond and all those things. And all I see is a brick wall. Why in the world would he do that? And the nurse laughed and she said, not only could he not see the wall, or not only could he not see the park, he couldn't see the wall because see, he was blind. And he was actually painting a picture for you to see in your heart and in your soul. God is painting a picture of your today and your tomorrow. And he's speaking it to you through his word and through creation and through God-honoring friendships. And he's, he's painting it for you. And I wonder for all of us, are, 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 we, are we missing it? Are we missing the picture of joy and of peace and an inkling of the plans that he has for you? See, God wants us to have more than physical sight. He wants us to have more than just, you know, 2020 vision on the eye chart. God wants us to open our eyes and begin to see him clearly and fully. And it's not some task list. It's not some work project to accomplish. It's knowing him in an ever deepening way, finding his grace and his approval and his forgiveness. See, because his plans, his, his purpose, the picture he's painting for you is good. Listen to this as I close, Jeremiah 29. I know what I'm doing, God says. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you and not abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. Ah, imagine that. God has good plans for you. A vision of what could be today and tomorrow. Not held back by your past. Not living plan B in that cloudy, murky, I've got to do it all on my own. But instead, trusting him moment by moment. And in just a minute, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to invite everyone in this room just to pray it with me out loud. There's nothing magic about the words. You don't have to get it just right. It's just... It's a model of prayer, but it's a prayer of, of salvation. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of belief and trust 
and forgiveness. And I know that some of you in this room have been wrestling with going your own way and choosing your own thing and you keep trying to handle it and be strong enough and manage it and you find yourself beating your head against the wall and you find that your way is only bringing confusion and pain and dysfunction. But God has a new way for you. He has a new beginning for you. And it comes when we surrender ourselves to him and say, I'm gonna choose to walk in your ways. I'm gonna choose you. So if you're here today and you say, Dave, I wanna know Jesus Christ as the leader of my life, the one I'll follow. The Bible calls that Lord. Or you would say, I I need someone to rescue me from this place of sin and struggle. Well, the Bible says Jesus is the one who saves us, who rescues us. And if you want to experience that new beginning, that forgiveness, that hope today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Before we do that, though, no one looking around. If you want that, if that's your desire today, would you just raise your hand? Raise your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. See you on the side. See you in the back. Yeah. Would you pray this with me? Lord Jesus, thanks for your love. And thank you for the cross where you paid the price for me. Forgive me of my past. Wash me clean. I choose your ways. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace towards us. Lord, I pray that we would fix our eyes, that we would fix our gaze on you and let your truth and your life become our today and our tomorrow. God, we thank you. We honor you and we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen.